When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. <laughs> such a quiet town, Perth continued to be a source of so much trouble for Grimson. On his drive home on the night of Wednesday 26th of February 1991, he told his friend Ian Blythe, I've had enough of this, it is becoming unbearable. Back in the October visit to McDermott Park, Sunnis had followed his new, expensive and injured defender back into the dressing room to sit with him. He asked his Johnson tea lady, Aggie Moffat, to fetch him a cuppa, which he duly refused. After this next trip in February, another frustrating draw, Sunnis asked his players to place the mud off their boots into piles so it was easier to clean up, but Moffat was not impressed. She also complained about the general state of the dressing room and a smashed jug of orange juice, and she said she would go directly to the chairman, Jeff Brown. Sunnis then duly followed her into the corridor, shouting and swearing about what she expected the floor to look like after a game of football. Brown assured Moffat that he would look into it, to which Sunnis replied, I am here, look into it now. When Brown made a move to take hold of the Rangers manager's arm, the temperature increased dramatically as threats were made if he didn't remove his grip. It was an embarrassing farce that was starting to become part of the script. By this stage, Liverpool had made contact but had been quickly rejected. As soon as admitted in his 1999 book, however, a seed had been planted and it was only human nature to wonder privately what it would be like to go back. Many of the people I knew during my time as a player were still at the club, so perhaps it was only natural to daydream about what it might be like to go back. After that drive home, that breezy reverie turned into a more concrete desire to discuss the machinations behind Graham Souness's departure and much more. I'm joined by David Edgar. How are we doing? I am good, thank you. Yes, uh, looking forward to it. Dear Lord, can you please spare me from Scottish football characters like Aggie Moffat? Um, for a, a, another term for it might be jumped up cow who didn't know her place and should have been told in no uncertain terms by St Johnston what her place was. Uh, so I'm very much looking forward to getting back in uh, to discussing that. Much as soon as shouldn't have reacted, etc, etc. 
unbelievable behaviour from St Johnston. Yeah, I don't think as soon as we get away with that now, that's for sure. I don't uh, think, no, she wouldn't be allowed to do that now. Yeah. If, if an employee was as disrespectful as that to the opposition manager, they'd be out on their arse. Yeah. And we're off and running. Before even introducing our full panel, good evening, Alan, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing absolutely fine. As David said, but how ridiculous, Martin. One of the, probably one of the greatest uh, Scottish footballers, you know, with all the medals he has, the kind of European Cups and whatever else. He's now Rangers player manager, he's a director and so on. And you've got Aggie the T-Woman. It just, you couldn't make it up, could you? Uh, well, yeah, we didn't need to, because as I said, it was really becoming part of this weird, tumultuous season uh, where Sunnis was just never seeming in control. We finished last week uh, with Andy and John uh, after a very impressive win, winter. David Rangers in this long unbeaten run, 17 games, 15 in the league, two in the cup, of which that draw at St Johnson was one of them. Um, and some big wins, three huge wins in a row, uh, away to Dundee United, home to Celtic, away to Hearts, and a lot of good football. This is the longest unbeaten run since he's ever had, and some of the best football his team's ever played. In spite of um, the, the kind of mail from inside Ibrox, the, the, the issues outside. Um, but what we're going to talk about, I guess, is some of those chickens coming home to roost. February 22nd, uh, Friday, um, the night before Kenny Dugleish had uh, given quite an emotional press conference uh, after um, a FA Cup replay against Everton um, in which he was resigning. Uh, after so long as the, the top man Liverpool still top of the league at that point they would not finish top of the league in that, that English first division season but the the effects of Hillsborough and that stress um, really coming to be a kind of post-traumatic stress syndrome I guess David um, it was uh, quite a surprising move and Graham Souness, the week after the St Johnston game, um, which was on the 26th of February, as I said, in the Rangers news, and going nowhere. Liverpool had been in touch, but he had rebuffed them very quickly, very immediately, um, very naturally, I think. He had a job here, and as Alan's touched on, he's a director, and he has a stake in this club. Um, before we talk about Souness and everything that, that, that transpires, can I just ask about the, your, your recollections of the, the, the Douglas designation because it kind of came out the blue yeah it did uh, it's one of these things that's a lot easier to see with hindsight and Kenny Douglas attended every funeral after Hillsborough which while a, a hugely commendable thing to do that that's grueling uh, that, that very much is uh, and he just he, he couldn't get over it um, it scarred him badly you and I have discussed on, on other shows this thing about football management. People can't take breaks. People aren't allowed to say, look, I'm done in and I need a year off uh, or and come back to the job. You don't get sabbaticals. You do in most other industries, especially yeah. high pressure ones, but you do not in football. You're either all in or you're not. And I think that he was emotionally spent and it must be difficult when you have sat with the families of 95 people who've lost their life to get up for football matches. It must be, you must think there's more to life than this. And 
the emotional charge that it, it it took from him, the emotional price that he paid was was enormous. And I think if you look at photographs of Kenny Douglas around about that time, it, he's a shell. He's not the guy that that we've known apart from that period. And he was just completely and utterly done. And and that's on top of the the burdens of being you know a football manager of a huge club anyway, which is a tremendous responsibility. Um, and I think that we also forget that he took over just after Heysel. So it was the second mm-hmm. hugely, hugely emotional issue that he'd gone through inside five years. Uh, I, I don't think it's surprising. And actually, I think that it, he did the right thing for him because it could have had much worse longer term effects on him. And I think that, you know, Kenny Dalglish is Liverpool through and through. Anyone who remembers his short-lived incredibly disinterested spell at Celtic <laughs> in 1999-2000 will we'll understand that, that, that there's one club for him and it's Liverpool and yeah that was a four each draw that match I think in the yeah. Cup that you spoke about I mean it was an incredible game of football and I, I I just think that he was completely and utterly done in initially there was straight away you know they'll go for Sunis Sunis does come out and say well no I'm not going but I don't know. I just even even as a kid, I remember talking to my dad, um, and I'm getting a wee bit older now and a wee bit more. Now. My dad, who you know isn't an actual pessimist, but he was he was saying to me, you know, this this is his team, and I'm like, no, no, Rangers mm-hmm. is his team, yeah. and he's no son. This is his team. This is a big one, and I thought, but he loves it here. And I said, well, and my dad said to me, imagine if you were the manager of Liverpool, and Rangers mm-hmm. came in for you, would you go? And I said, well, yeah. Of course I would, and he said exactly. So I think I I had the possibility in my mind that he would go. When he said no, that was great. But up until that position got filled, and names yes. were mentioned by the way, you know, Franz Beckenbauer was linked with that post. Um, there were obviously English contenders as well. Howard Wilkinson, I remember being highly spoken of as well. And then, as always with Liverpool, there was a lot of talk about. Uh, where they've got the boot room. So it might be Roy Evans was mentioned the first time I really remember hearing about Roy Evans. And up until they filled it, I wasn't really resting resting easy. Alan, were you worried? Initially, again, just come back to this shocking, <laughs> dramatic uh, resignation of Kennedy Gleeson. Oh, yeah, what? absolutely. I remember watching the game. It was an amazing game. The, you know, I think Graham Sharp caught it a couple too. And uh, uh, just at the end of it, and as David said as well, just Kenny Douglas, he just looked haunted. And I remember seeing a quote from him around about the time as well. And he said that, I think even when they lost the first goal, he went, we need to do something at the back, you know, to change things. He says, and I didn't. He says, I just sat there. He says, and that was the final, you know, yeah. for him just saying, no, nah, that's it, I've, I've got to get out. But no, I was, I think I would be just coming up in 30 then. So yeah, the whole, I just always saw... Although Graham Soonis gave you a born Rangers player and so on, I always thought Liverpool was his club, you know, anyway. And when Kenny Douglas went, I was thinking, will he go? It's a bit like the kind of, let me think, it was a bit like the kind of Steven Gerrard thing about maybe they'll hold off and maybe we'd go, you know, at summertime. And again, I think as David said, even when you go back and go, no, you wonder if that's even just starting a negotiation in terms of who else are you going to give me, you know? And also all of this... I think we mentioned before, he was fighting, he was causing bother everywhere. And then I think maybe a season or so, Martin, 
he seemed to calm, didn't he? And it was a bit more. But oh, the, the, the season, yeah, at the, the start of 89-90, even though the results were wild. It, it, it was amazing. He was really he was measured and he was kind of calm and so on. But all the way through this season, and again, obviously with the McCoy stuff too, it, it just seemed, you know, there, there was just something there. He just felt as if he really doesn't want to be here. Yeah. But for, as far as we were concerned, it was more a timing thing, I think. Uh, well, I mean, for, for I'm younger, obviously, and that that Rangers news front page was was greeted uh, very warmly in my heart. David didn't quite have a cynical mind yet. Um, I took that uh, quite literally, but yeah, I, regular listeners will know the path to here has been coming. Um, that the, the start to the season previous, as I said, he looks fresh and invigorated. He's, I think he's being the leader and the statesman and the calm presence because you have this Mo Johnson circus that mm-hmm. could blow up at any minute. He has to be like that, um, especially when results aren't quite going right. Um, but the uh, STV thing uh, in the tunnel against Hearts in the February of 1990, I think starts him on this path externally, uh, this war with the SFA, they, they are talking about lifetime bans. He's already banned for touchline for two years. Um, it is a, a, a ridiculous situation outside and he's causing fights inside. Butcher's gone uh, and we're, we're going to talk about McCoist um, again. Even with our supporters as well, Martin, he's already... As, as, yeah, as I said last week, he's picking fights with Rangers support. And this thing with the, the tea lady, so it was a 1-1 draw at uh, McDermott Park that night, Pierce just scored. Um, but this is just nonsense, right? The Rangers manager does not get involved in no. uh, fights about broken jugs and, and, and anything else. Right. Different accounts about what happens next. Walter Smith in his book from 1994, he suggests that as soon as, raise the question first, with him and Phil Bosma as they were in a sauna uh, Bellaston Park, the kind of health club after training, which was something they would normally do, chat about life, football, whatever. Um, and he said, look, Liverpool are interested. And he was just trying to sound Smith out, really. What what does he what do you think about him going there? Um, Smith had some concerns, like, you can't go to Anfield and do what you did here. Uh, Rangers have been years without success. Liverpool are champions of England, and are doing all right at the moment. Um, it, it, you're probably going to have to tread a lot of toes to make the changes that, that, that you want to make. They're going to be less receptive than, than people were here. Um, Benson has rejected that offer. He did his Rangers news thing. Um, and then a few weeks later, uh, in March, the, the subject came up again when the two of them were on a, a flight down to London to, to just take in a game of football. Um, and at this time, Cobbley Smith Soonest wasn't looking for an opinion. He was taking the job. Would he come with him as assistant? Smith says that he didn't want to leave Ibrox. He'd worked so hard to get there. Um, and even then, if he did go, he didn't think he was going to fit into the, the Liverpool football. He's not a product of that. He's an outsider. And he felt probably correctly uh, that, that that was going to be hard. And Soonest had the the guys like Roy Evans and Ronnie Moran and, and guys like that already there. He, he didn't need a Walter Smith. Um, and that was that. Soonest's account... And his book in 99 is, is slightly different. The scenery remains the same. They're still in that Bella Houston Health Club sauna. Uh, and he's asking Smith and Bosma to go. Bosma immediately delighted. And soon as says that Walter was also very keen, which is important to me because I was prepared to turn the job down unless Phil and Walter were joining me. Then they went down on that flight to London to meet with Noel White and Peter Robertson from Liverpool at the Heathrow Hall at the end. That was the purpose of that flight. Um, it was then that Smith kind of got cold feet about the, the backroom issue. Um, 
and said no. But by that point, Sunus was was already on the way. Um, David, nothing new in this Rangers story throughout this uh, mm. this season time. Usually, it's Graham Sunus that, that contradicts himself in the space of two or three books that he's put out. Um, it doesn't really matter, I suppose. We know what happens, but uh, it, it is interesting that they 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 do very wildly. Um, remember though, when Walter Smith is putting his book out, he is Rangers manager. He has been for a couple of years. But at that moment, uh, this is nineteen ninety four, Christmas ninety four. That book's going out. Um, is on a bit of a sticky wicket after a bit of a disappointment in in, in Europe two seasons in a row. Uh, of course, he's going to say I, I didn't even entertain it, but. No, at this moment in time, no guarantee Walter Smith's going to be the next manager of Rangers. We always want things in black and white, and conversations aren't always black and white. Two people can go into a room and come out with completely mm. different recollections of what was said. The Granita dinner being yes. a, a wonderful case in point of that, that you know, 10 years later they were still arguing about it. So I, I think in any employment, and it is employment, that you... You don't rule stuff out and you keep your options open. Walter Smith, I'm sure, would have felt he was in contention for the job, but would also understand the temptation for David Murray would be to go out and get a big name. And that might count against them. In which case, does he want to stay on as assistant to a new manager? And also, will the new manager want to keep him on as his assistant? So, of course, you're not going to rule out because you might be looking for work. And if you say as soon as no and he goes and fills the job, you're you're turning down a job that's there already. Secondly, any of these books from the 90s, I always wonder just quite how much the player or the manager was actually involved in getting the text onto. You might find a 200-page book had a one-hour interview that, <laughs> yeah. that became the, the nucleus of it. So there's that as well. But yeah, you're absolutely right. You're not going to you're not gonna say it. And again, it was, you know, I wanted to stay at Rangers. Rangers was my number one, but I kept my options open. You're not going to say that. Um, and you're right when you say it's borne out by what actually does happen as opposed to, to what might have. But he would have been a very silly man, as any of us would be, that if he'd ruled things out right at the start, he could have been left with nothing at all. And, and that would have been very foolish. He, he has a family. That's his number one priority. And, you know, while... I'm sure he knew he would be in contention for that job. There was there was zero um, there was zero chance that, uh, or sorry, there was no way that he could say I will definitely get it. He could not fully believe that up until I'm sure he signed the contract. Uh, the other thing as well is about about Sunis. You mentioned that there he can contradict himself. Um, Walter was very keen because I wouldn't have taken the job without him. And then he mm. takes a job without him. Yeah. So um Sunis has got a tendency, as you say, to sort of forget things. And and like a lot of alpha males, he has a tendency to hear what he wants to hear what he wants to hear and to see what he wants to see. And I think that you probably do need that if you're going to be successful at the level that he has been successful at. But um I think that, that you know, Walter was was aware he would be in contention, but I'm sure understood that things might change. And and also when you're dealing with David Murray, David Murray was was somebody who would tell you one thing and then a week later tell you another and swear blind that you'd picked him up wrong. Yeah. And you could play him the tape back and he still wouldn't believe you. And more importantly, you'd leave the room thinking, 
that he had, <laughs> he'd convince you as well. One of the shows last year, where it was Soonis and, and Murray and Michael Knight. Um, Soonis went to bed believing that he was going to be in Manchester. He's going to go. Yeah. Um, and, and, and Murray changed, changed all of that. Another thing that Smith writes in that book, Graham must have been under considerable personal pressure, he said. There must have been a tremendous inner turmoil, and yet he hid that from everybody. Not a single player suspected anything. It was amazing how he was able to concentrate his mind the way he did. I admired that immensely. Now, Smith is correct to appreciate the pressures around soon as I don't think any of us can imagine that at that moment in time. But I think the praise for control is wildly overplayed. Until that day that a baggage handler at Heathrow Airport told Sunus that Kenny Douglas had resigned, um, Rangers had begun, as I said, that incredible run. After that, they went in a bit of a tailspin. Mm-hmm. Uh, McDermott Park was followed by a defeat the first in 17 games at Petaudry. With Aberdeen chasing a 1-0 defeat. McCoyce and Johnson had missed some huge chances. Uh, that cuts the gap to four points. And worse was to come, Alan, um, at Parkhead, because there was a double header in the Cup and the League, uh, 17th to 24th. The Cup game, Scottish Cup quarter-final, Rangers lost 2-0 and had three players sent off, Mark Haitley, Mark Walters and Terry Hullock. This is after such a long run um, without a red card. We thought that that, that page had been turned, really, on, on that, that early soonest era. Um, these were added to a kind of growing injury list, which was a bit ridiculous, which meant that the league game uh, on the 27th of March, soonest... Well, they- okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No he had to, whether he chose to, fielded an absolute nonsense team. Uh, Rangers lost 3 0 at Parkhead um, and would have another red card that day, Scott Nisbet. Um, I'll give you the team here. Chris Woods, Gary Stevens, Tom Cowan, Richard Goff, Nigel Spackman, Scott Nisbet, David Dodds, Ian Ferguson, Alan McCoy, Mo Johnson, John Spencer. Dodds, McCoy, Johnson, Spencer. Four forwards. Peter Hustra and Sandy Robertson run the bench. So it, it doesn't really make sense. Injuries start to bite, but you know, there's still nine regular starters uh, at that Aberdeen game. Yeah, I mean, these they, so they were crazy ones, Martin. I mean, the, to add insult to injury, the first one was on St. Patrick's Day as well. Yeah. I remember going to Parkhead, and I think they got two early goals, didn't they? Creamy six minutes, and I think Dovchik deflected three kicks. So th- that one itself, and we completely, I mean, some of the challenges we went in, it was like, you know, straight reds and so on. But I remember, like you saying, really pessimistic, obviously going to the next one, looking at, you know, the team, because we'd been out. We absolutely played them off the park, and believe it or not, in the second one, it was just sucker punches. Mm. I think, was it Spencer had a couple of... No, but That'll happen when you've no midfield. No, yeah. you're, no but you're right. But I mean, honestly, David Rangers had about like six or seven, you know, really good chances and dominated. And, and you're right, it was just like absolutely ridiculous kind of goals that, we, you know, we lost in that one. But I remember feeling so low. I, know, I mean, I know John mentioned before, always going to Parkhead, you know, and in fact, I, I think we hadn't, I don't know if it was about nine games, but I mean, all Firm games in the league, you know, up until, you know, this, the kind of Celtic one there, we had been doing really well, but because of the first one, you go into the second one, 
Uh, and I think after that, when I remember coming back from the 3 0 one, and that's when you started looking and then you're thinking, shit. And now I know, I think in the end, obviously Aberdeen went on an absolutely amazing run. I think out of 13 of their last games, they draw one, they lose one. But at that time, that was when you just started looking over your shoulder a wee bit and going, shit, you know, the kind of goal difference in the points. The thing is, uh, Alan, uh, this had happened last year, if you, if you cast your mind back to a few episodes ago, Rangers had this great winter and were seven points clear, then went six games without a win, um, but we're only cut back to five points. This is slightly different. Things we are starting to get tense, David. Um, and again, the manager. Yeah, the players are also joining the dots, Martin. I think you've said it too. David Murray have joined the, you know, with that whole look, Liverpool mm. are looking for him. So I yeah. definitely feel that there's definitely some impact, well, you know, on the squad and so on. Yeah, yeah Smith is adamant. No one knew that that, that, that Sunis was taking this job, certainly in the, the playing staff. Um, but David, it's as soon as his handling of this situation again compared to last this time last year when he was in control and giving out the right messages, it's McCoy's that gets scapegoated. Um, before that Scottish Cup game, Rangers players given a bit of time off to relax. Uh, McCoy's took the opportunity to go to Cheltenham for the National Hunt Festival, as he liked to do. And unlike golf, this wasn't banned. And he got a late flight home to make sure he, he, he picked up the squad um, in, in time. Soon as asked him if he'd been in the races um, and smiled when McCoy's confirmed. Uh, on the day of the Scottish Cup tie, McCoy's had to be stopped from leaving the ground by Bobby Lennox. Um, such was his anger at not even making the bench. Rangers were dreadful, um, certainly even though they had Peter Grant sent off first before our three red cards. They deserved their win. Um, Trevor Stephen had a bad knee injury, which would rule him out for the rest of the season. So, you know... The mood's kind of getting bleaker by the week, David. So soon as his response was to use McCoy as a scapegoat, um, he forced him to attend this press conference and apologise for going to the races, um, which McCoy was keen to caveat by starting off, in the manager's opinion, there has been a breach of discipline. Um, there hadn't been a breach of discipline, there was no fine, because it was standard, as would have been standard practice, I guess, if, if there had been a breach. Um, it's another weird, wild episode in this battle of egos. McCoy was then convinced that like Monroe and Durant, this was just because he was one of the original ones, he's incredibly popular, this had been the kind of narrative of the season, David, coming from the stands, coming from the enclosure, because McCoy wasn't starting, um, and McCoy kind of excused his performance in the league game um, by saying, you know, like Brazil um, in the, the World Cup, that he'd been affected by that psychological blow, and he was carrying a knock in any case, well, you kind of it both ways, you're either fit or you're not. Um, but this is a deliberate humiliation of a Rangers hero, Davey, and even amongst the most conservative opinions, uh, there was starting to be a lot of fear. I, I, I quote the Rangers historian Robert McElroy on the 15th of April, he published uh, his uh, latest edition, um, and said, look, you know, Sunnis had contributed to this apparent collapse, and should the dream of a third successive league title for the first time since the war finally crumble, then surely the time will have come for a reappraisal by the Rangers board of the current management situation at Ibrox. Big words. Yeah, they are big words. And, you know, maybe we could say that it's a little bit, uh, you know, looking back and going through what we've gone through, but the circumstances were different. And there was no doubt. I mean, I, I, I love that Walter's loyalty is tremendous to, to Graham Sooners, but the <laughs> idea that people weren't noticing the erratic mm. behaviour is simply not true. And uh, McCoy's felt, you mentioned there, McCoy's felt that it was because he was you know, one of the originals that 
only Graham Souness will know. He felt also that it was because he was a very popular figure. It was that. <laughs> I mean, it absolutely was that. Souness massively resented the fans would take somebody else's side. Um, yeah, David, I mean, David, you you love Ali McCoy's probably probably oh, more I, than he's my hero. Aye, yeah. probably more than a life, right? I, I think we're all the same with McCoy's. Um, be bloody infuriating though at times, or wouldn't it? Because he's so oh. clever and the way. And I would imagine at times there would be cases where soon as we go, he's the he's you know. So it's not squeaky clean alley, but. Oh. I, I, don't you know, get me wrong. Yeah. I, he would be, but be frustrating. He, but, yeah. he, he would, so, you know, he would be cheeky. He would answer back, and and soon as who this, you know, I think he's always taken himself quite seriously. <laughs> yes, uh, but yeah, yeah. At, at this period in particularly. But I, I do, I think it was a lot to do with the fact that you can't really turn around and shout at forty-four thousand people, but you can blame the guy. Yes, right. We do it as supporters. We do it where we don't want to fall out with a manager because he's not picking a player. So we blame the player who's in the team as if it's his fault, and it's not. It's the manager yeah, who signed yeah. them and picked them. Um, but we we um, project onto the person because we don't want to project onto the other person, and that's exactly what's happening here. The the disciplinary thing. The way soon as kind of put it out there, and remember back then. Managers had their, well, they still do, but especially the managers had their pet journals. And it was put out McCoy's to basically been on the lash. And, Aye, yeah. you know, nobody had, nobody had any clue he was there or he'd been expressly, it was hinted, he'd been expressly told he could go. None of which was true. Um, and, and he was used now, again, in terms of clear, clear-sighted management. One, Ali McCoy's was very popular with the support. Two, Ali McCoy's was very popular with the players. Uh, so scapegoating him is counterproductive, uh, you know, unless he had actually done. And footballers, like anybody else in the workplace, if you or any other workplace, if you go after somebody for no reason, players, if you go after somebody because they misbehave, players respond to that because they see, all right, well, you know, that's that's fair enough. He's went after him, and he's he's shown who the boss is. They respond to that. If you scapegoat somebody for no reason other than the fact that it makes you look a bit better, players don't respond to that because, of course, they then think, "Well, it could be me next." And, and I then, also think Walter Smith too. To be honest, we were really close with Alan McCoy's, and you just wonder what was going on behind the yeah, scenes I mean, as well. It, yeah, yeah. It, it was it was it was poor management, and again, it's a string of bad decisions that Sunis is making, which I will say is partly due to pressure, partly, let's be honest, because his eye is wandering and he's starting to get it. Chief, right. I mentioned this right at the start that eventually, you know, the first the first of these shows that I did, I mentioned, eventually, the world that Sunis was inhabiting got too small for him. And that's why we knew it was going to happen with Gerard as well, because there comes a point where Scottish football, with its stultifying idiosyncrasies, becomes, you know, I mean, we know it. It gets it gets frustrating and boring for us, but we've, you know, no escape, right? We know that this is our lot as fans. We're stuck with Scottish football. There's nothing we can do. And it's also why when we get into Europe, it feels, you know, when we get in a run in Europe, it feels like a breath of fresh air because it's different and it's exciting and it's vivid. Whereas Scottish football can quite often be routine and, you know, you're playing the same teams all the time and, you know, you're running into these these naffs who are out to make a name against you because you're Rangers. And Graham Souness eventually, it just became far, far too small for him. And 
this is it. So what he's doing is, as we all do when we're under pressure, we make bad decisions. And then our egos don't allow us to say, I made a bad decision there. Uh, and I'll apologise and atone for it. Our egos make us go. We dig, what? we dig further in the dig, hole, don't dig. we? Yeah. That's it. Don't, don't, you know, don't back down, double down. And that's what Sunnis was doing left, right and centre. And fires are... are He's starting them a lot of the time. And look, as I mentioned earlier, the thing with the tea lady, that to me um, is an example, though, of, of mitigation. I mean, that that is the kind of thing he was facing. People decided he's too big for his boots, and they therefore felt that they could behave to him in any way they wanted because they knew that other people would back them. And we still see that with Rangers in the 21st century, that people know they can say certain things about us because other people who hate us will mm-hmm, automatically yeah. agree yeah. with them. Yeah. So Sunnis was facing that, but you need to do what Walter would do in those circumstances, which is you box clever. You, mm-hmm. you know, you play the politics, but this particular version, certainly of Graham Sunnis, was not going to do that. He was not going to think politically. He was not going to think right, I should back down here, and it, you know, if challenged, the chess came out, it's what we loved about him, the chess came out, and, you know, the club started swinging, the problem was, by now, he's swinging it at his own, he's swinging it at whoever's near him, and I think there was this growing sense, with Sutness, that we weren't his number one focus anymore, and this is not unique to him as a manager. We've seen it with Mourinho. We've seen it with uh, Benitez even. They go into a club and they achieve success. And then after a year, they don't have to build it from the start anymore. You know, they, they've built, if you like, the apparatus to be successful and they've built the structure that they need. And then they get bored because of all this extra time. So what do they then do? They then go, right, well, I want control of this and right, I'm not happy with him who does the transfer, so I'm gonna have you know, I'm gonna engage in a war against him. And I think it is just this restless spirit that these achievers have that they've got to be doing something and it's on to the next thing. And in Sunis's case, that energy, that relentless drive and energy was just coming out in all these wrong places. This is piss poor management and yes I'm biased because Ali McCoyce but I love Graham Sunnis as well yeah. but this you know McCoyce had not done anything wrong and of course Sunnis then gets criticised on the day because we get beat where's Ali McCoy I mean in this era I mean still to this day but especially in this era we would have sent we would have sent Ali McCoy into like the Reykjavik summit because we felt he would, you know, he'd come back with a nuclear arms treaty. The, the the, about, I mean, I, I, David, you're absolutely right. The, the popularity thing is at the forefront of this. A couple other points. McCoyce had gone home from a, before the Cheltenham thing, had gone home from St Andrews, they went away for a few days or whatever, as Rangers did, up to St Andrews, and McCoyce just went home in a huff. He was sitting in the pub um, and he said, what am I doing here? Uh, I'm not on the team, I don't really feel like I want to be here, um, so he booked a taxi. Um, I think someone at the hotel told Smith, Smith came out of the room and said, where are you going? So I'm just going home, I'll suit yourself then. Oh, there's a reserve game tomorrow, I'll just play that, make myself useful kind of thing. So you know, I'm in a bit of a half, a bit of a petty lip, which I don't think would have gone down well with the manager at all. Um, and the other thing that I think Sunnis resented and had reason to resent from the support um, was this selection thing. He'd gone with Hayley and Johnson as his favoured too. The support hated that and criticised him. And I think he felt that he had done enough to be trusted 
with those decisions in terms of what he'd he'd won for the club and and and, and done in that time. And he was correct. At the start of next season, Smith starts. Sorry, spoil. But he starts with Haley McCoy, uh, Haley Johnson, because again, they are the best combination of those three at that time. McCoy doesn't. He isn't doing the biz the way that those two are. Um, and I think Sunis would be entitled to feel a bit pissed off at the fans, still not giving them the benefit of the doubt there. But again, it comes down to exactly what you said, David. It's a popularity thing. And football fans are exactly like that. Sorry, Al. Oh, you're OK. No, it's OK. Yeah, I, think the, I just think the point I was trying to make is it's not all. Although I've been really critical, quite rightly, of Graham Sunis you know, in various areas, and I can see it. And as David said, he's actually making fires himself all over the place. I just feel, and as much as I love Ali McCoyce too, I feel that McCoyce probably would put his hands up and say, see, to be honest, he maybe occasionally I do push it a wee bit too much, you know. But at one point, the narrative just seemed to be Ali was absolutely squeaky clean, can't do anything wrong at all, and it's just all big bad him, you know. Now, 90% of the time, Graham Soonis definitely, and come this season... It is. It's just a complete mess. But as I say, there is there's just that wee bit as well where it would be so bloody infuriating to have somebody in your your team, you know, as a leader, you doing that. And as as David said as well, the impact that he will have there and his mates as well within the squad. And so you can see those tensions, you know, across the piece. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. As soon as always wanting McCoy's to respond. Now the the Cheltenham thing is beyond ridiculous and completely un, unwanted. There was no breach, there was no fine, there was there was there was nothing. It was soon as just trying to deflect from a just a bad handling of that particular game and the fact that things were starting to to, to nosedive. Um Mark O'Roy and then the the historian that was what the fifteenth of April asking for maybe a, there needs to be a reappraisal. Of course little did he know that well it was being carried out and it um had already been carried out. Um the end of the March uh David Murray had no idea that his Rangers manager was uh, planning an exit. Um, 1st of April, Sunday, Sunis took a trip down to Southampton to see his prospective team. He made, well, he could easily use the excuse because his ex-wife and um, children were living in Guildford. They could pass that off as just, you know, um, taking in a game whilst going to see them. Took his dad, explained to his dad at halftime, by the way, I'm going there um next season effectively. Um his dad took it well, but that, that wasn't the, the reaction that he was really worried about. It was of course David Murray's. They have that usual dinner date on a Friday night. Um this Andy and John and I talked about um divorce when we were talking about um butcher and this is even worse. Um Murray started to pick up some on his he's driving soon as back to his flat, which he would normally do, and said, You're going to Liverpool, aren't you? The two of them sat outside on the wall um, next to the Sunnis' apartment in Edinburgh. Um, lovely spring evening, kind of weighing up what needed to happen. Now, interesting you talk about sabbaticals earlier, David. Murray pretty much offered him whatever he wanted, even suggested taking a year out and coming back, remaining on the board, and you still got that that, that interest there. Um, it's kind of like a married couple talking about how to manage an affair. Sunnis told me he wanted to leave once the league had been won, but Murray eventually found that position said no best if you go now um and like many a jilted spouse has correctly predicted David Sunnis was told he was making a big mistake um once Murray's in the loop this is the second week of April no mood to mess around Sunnis actually recommended promoting Smith um that that seemed to be the the best um solution on grounds of ability um better profile 
soon as they attracted a lot of pressure, Smith would probably um, diffuse a lot of that. Murray's immediate response was for a big name. Um, well, a lot of the fans' response was for a big name, by David the way. David Edgar's immediate response was for a big name. Yeah. I, I, on the grounds I was 13. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, look, absolutely, it's looked really Walter, um, because he was, at this point... But no one knew, so, no one knew no, this. Like, this is early April. Smith was proactive. He went to Murray and said, look, what's happening? Possibly with that other conversation in mind, I don't know. Yes. Um, and Murray... Um, if eventually asked the unnecessary question in Smith's words, of course Smith would take the job if offered. But Murray needed more time. He spoke to Richard Goff for his opinion. It was short and certain to give it to Smith. Does most of the work in the training ground, and it made sense just to get this title, which is now just a matter of two points, by the way, between us and Aberdeen over the line. Ray Wilkins was suggested as an alternative, but Murray's mind was was kind of set. And him and Smith walked down the tunnel before the game of St. Johnson on 13th of April. And Murray said, that's it. If you want the job, you can have it. Now, no one knows a thing at this stage. Um, that's Saturday 13th of April. And a bit of poignancy, because that's Graham since his final game in charge. Um, the previous week, he'd seen more jitters. Rangers drew nil now with Hibs. But there was one ray of light, David, with the return of Rangers hero 28 months after that night, or that day at Aberdeen. Ian Durant finally made his comeback. Uh, and then after those nerves had been kind of uh, uh, dealt with, he scored the first goal in this 3 0 win over St Johnson at Ibrox. Um, with a lot of empty spaces, it should be um, pointed out. Um, we tend to think of this era of milk and honey as being. To the, to the rafters, but it absolutely wasn't that day. Um, but those who were there got to salute one of their own uh, was having no idea, David, that they would never get the chance to salute the man who developed him into a star, because three days later Graham Sinus left Rangers. We're obviously very disappointed that he's made this decision. Um, it was Graham's wish that we could keep it like that to the end of the season, but I felt that the sooner it's cleared up, the better and that he feels free, he's free to go on to Liverpool. That was not Graham's choice, but we feel we've got a championship to win and that's got to be the priority. Um, I'll ask Graham to say a few words. I won't be taking questions. I'd just like to say that there are two main reasons why I've decided to go to Liverpool. The first one, which is the biggest one, I have three young children who um, are at an age where I feel I should be spending more time with them. Living and working in England will allow me to do that. And also the other one, on the football side. And I feel I've gone as far as I'll be allowed to go in trying to achieve success at this football club. The one thing we'll always remember is no man is bigger than Rangers Football Club, whether it be Graham Souness, David Murray or anybody who plays here. The most important thing is, as I said already, is to win this league um, and deliver for the supporters something that they've supported both Graham and the rest of us on the board so much in the past. In the perfect world, it would have been uh, a situation where I'd like Graham to stay to the end of the season. And when it became quite obvious that the story had leaked, I felt as a chairman it was a situation that couldn't go on any longer and therefore asked Graham if he would leave prior to the end of the season. I, I would like to state that I wanted to, to stay until the end of the season. It's been decided by the board. They feel it's the best thing and the best interest is to book over for going now. And I have to accept it. Scottish Football Association have forced Graham to this right out of Scottish, Scottish football. He was a man who revitalised us, brought all the English players up to Scotland, and now at the end of the day, that's why I think they've forced him out of, the, forced him out of Scottish football. Oh, I'm very sorry. 
hear that he's leaving. He's done a great job for Scottish football as well as Rangers, you know. Do you think he's changed the face of Scottish football? Oh, I think so, definitely. You know, he's brought in the big... He made all the other clubs buy players as well. He's buying them himself, you know. I, mean, I thought he was doing a good enough job at Ibrox and obviously he's decided that under the pressure from the SFA that he's decided that enough's enough and he's been messed about with the SFA so much. you feel he's, he's had a hard time from the football authorities? I feel he, yes, I would agree with McGraham soonest that he's definitely had a hard time from them with uh, Jim Farris, the way that they've been dishing out the fines, not only to Graham soonest personally but also to Rangers. Um, the excessive ban of 23,000 for the over the lager advert and also the, the touchline ban that he got. It's this Scottish Football Association have been on his back ever since the first game he played at Easter Road when he got ordered off. He's been banned to the end of next season for sitting in the dugout. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, and when the announcement came, it was like... It felt like I'd been punched in the stomach. I mean, I remember having a physical reaction to it. And uh, people say, you know, brace yourself for bad news. It's not as bad. You guys know me and listeners will know me that I, I don't do that because <laughs> yeah. it still hurts. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's why I don't go about saying, oh, you know, we're all doomed and we're going to lose the league. Because I know that the fact that I've thought that isn't going to make losing the league, for example, or losing the cup match any better. So um, although I'd been aware that this might happen, I suppose in my heart, I never believed it. And I, I do I remember it being an almost physical thing of, well, what do we do now? You know, now I, I've known another Rangers manager at this stage of my career, so it's not like he's all I know. So I know mm. that, that a replacement will come in. Um, and... It, but he was such an epochal figure, not only in in Rangers history, but in my life, you know, as a Ranger. He, he was just, as I mentioned earlier, he's my generation's other dad. Um, Walter would, of course, come through and just, you know, take that mantle on. But at that point, you're kind of, oh, goodness. And it, 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 the timing did seem weird. Um and I think that initially there was a lot of chat on the phone ends about, well, could they not just await it to the end of the season? You're absolutely right. That that was Murray. This is first decade, Murray. Decisive. Yeah. Maybe not always right, but decisive, making a decision. Um, and, you're, you know, when you talk about it being a divorce, that's that's exactly what it's like. That's, you know, I want to go. One of the things that I think, needs to be mentioned is I'm sure we've all been in this position once your mind is made up to go you can't get back into the headspace to stay easily um, it's why never accept a counter offer as a kind of true truism in business once you've decided you want to go it's very difficult to then get your head back into with the, the same level of commitment that you showed previously and I think that's where Sunas was and he had to go, you know. He did. He, he, he because he would always have been 
looking at it and dreaming and wondering what if um and you've got to make these decisions and, and stick by them it was the wrong decision he said that himself but my initial thing then was you know sorrow heartbreak about it but then excitement about well who can we get in because some of the names i'm sure you're going to talk about in a minute were mouthwatering i mean at this point we could probably have got anybody who wasn't managing you know the top top five or six things in italy really mm. um and i don't think that's unrealistic to say that we we, we could have done that we could have we could have gone to england and taken out the manager and the names that were being bandied about your know, beckenbauer fergus and george graham you know seem fantastical um the next step of course was then the papers and again this was where murray's first decade genius was he used the papers fantastically effectively uh you know, in, in the long term, that probably the detrimental effect. But at, at this point, he was he was very good at it. So Walter starts getting mentioned, not as Rangers are going to appoint Walter, but Rangers should appoint Walter. And the press back then was a hell of a lot more influential yeah. th- than it was. It was a hell of a lot more respected. Sure, we all had journalists we didn't like, but if something was in the papers, you tended, we still had this sort of naive belief that, there had to be something in it um, that, of course, has eroded. We know how the sausage is made now. But back then, there was this sort of mysticism still about if it was in the papers, then somebody had to be be saying it. And and they lined up a lot of people, current players, ex-players, um, respected figures in football to come out. And they began to sort of talk you into it, which was very clever because then... The deal was already done, but but they didn't just say as soon as it's away. Here's Walter. They 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 let them be the speculation, the names to get mentioned, but then very cleverly they just began so that you you almost felt. And again, I I keep going back to it's true. I'm a young guy, but you know I'm I'm with a lot of bears at Cross Key Supporters Club. You know I'm hearing a lot of adult voices as well, and. You know they're coming round to it. You know they're beginning to say, but they feel like it's their idea. You know, they feel like they've made the decision that we should go for Walter. Now, as you say, we are, <laughs> we have, um, he's going to be a manager. But people are beginning to to almost feel they've, they've made the journey themselves. Um, but look, I, I've criticised David Murray a lot. Um, I always will. Uh, my feelings about him will will not change. But uh, he, he was absolutely correct here. Uh, like you know, in a broken down relationship, don't hang about in the house, you know, get your stuff and bugger off and let's start moving on with our life. And he was he was absolutely correct to do it. I know it was a gamble that might and looked for all the world like it wasn't going to pay off, but it was the right thing to do. And did, do you both remember loads of talk in the papers and St. and Gravesy and a lot, that Soonis could win the league twice? Um, he was going to win sure. both the English and Scottish in the same season, and I always remember at the time thinking, "Hang on, if he gets the credit for winning it at Liverpool, doesn't Walter get the credit for winning it here?" But apparently not. Alan, uh, we, we we heard the the press conference there, um, Tuesday sixteenth of of April, um, and Richard Goff talks about bumping into Sinus coming down the marble staircase. All the best, he said to make sure and win the title, and and, and Goff noticed that. The visible emotion. Uh, he was always crying. This tough, often ruthless man was close to tears. It was a very emotional moment for him. 
some obvious similarities to his political hero, 20 weeks almost to the day before. Um, another abrasive figure with a single mind who had kind of shaped the surrounding environment forever and also um, some tears in her eyes as she left down the street. But that press conference, Alan, I, again, come back to this divorce thing. Murray was very comfortable in the press before and, and, and on the camera, and he would be again. He is not good in that press conference. He's drinking water as as, as much as he can. Um, as soon as it, it pains to say that, you know, I would like to stay, I, would, you know, I wanted to stay until the end of the season, but it's been decided by the board that they feel it's best interest the football club if I go now and I have to accept that. Again, Murray looks irritable. Um, and as soon as again says, look, you know, I feel I've, I've gone as far as I'll be allowed to, allowed to, to go and try and achieve success at this football club. Um, quite a lot of people likened it to a kind of scalded schoolboy in the headmaster's office, but I, I don't. I think there's a lot of parity in status. As soon as almost puts his arm on Murray's back, which I think is a really interesting bit of body language. Um, but this is the final session of couples counselling. There's both patients kind of trying valiantly to get to the end. It's quite a remarkable bit. It's not, it does not lock the yeah. questions, but it's, it's just a remarkable bit of um, theatre, I guess. Yeah, and if you think of how the relationship will appear to start was obviously soonest then the relationship with Murray and then kind of, you know, Murray having a wee talk about coming into Rangers. So in a way, really, it was the kind of soonest, you know, the impact that brought David Murray in there. So, and as you say, I think they were meeting every Friday. I, I think practically it was in a case of on the phone all the time, you know, each day. And they were they were really close. As you say, there was a, a real big emotional one there. I, I must admit, from my point of view as well, I, it's even the body language, as you see, he looked quite nervous, but even the way Graham Sinus was kind of sitting, he just wasn't looking that as if, look at me, I'm just totally in control. You know, like the kind of Morris Johnson one, just, you know, you could tell. A major emotional thing. I think for us too, like like David said, it was a, it was a, in one way it was a big blow. I think for me it was more a timing. It was just the fact that, look, we've got four games to go now. Uh, but to be honest with you, I, I and I've, I've got the same views as all you guys in the end with Murray. I think at that point in time, he did absolutely the right thing and went, well, no, as far as I'm concerned now, you go now. It just wouldn't have wouldn't have helped at all. Definitely risky. For me, like Davey, I was thinking Beckenbar and Graham and all of that mob. I think it was my dad had said to me, what about his assistant? And I'm like, well, again, didn't really know that much about Walter. And he was, well, think about the United and with Jim McLean and you know, the guy learned a bit there, maybe the influence he's had on him, you know, so, and also, I don't know if you picked up too, I read recently uh, the discussion that David Murray had with Walter Smith, I think David Murray had contacted him and said to him, look, have you heard, you know, about the whole, is he talking about the Liverpool one, now, and I think he was sussing out Walter, now yeah. Walter could just have says, don't know what you're talking about, no, nothing, but Walter, being Walter, actually just faced up to and said, yeah, to be honest with you, he has spoken to me about it. And I think that was a nice, cute one as well. And I think that sent out a wee signal to David Murray as well about the kind of person that, you know, that Walter Smith was as well. I think that helped him, you know, obviously. Uh, obviously, Graham Sinus was trying, I think he said, he was encouraging to take Walter Smith uh, It'd be quite interesting because, again, really good relationships between the two of those guys. As uh, potentially could have scuppered that one and could have went to Murray and said, see, to be honest with you, Walter, he's done OK, but, you know, 
So in a, in a way, I think it showed a nice bond between the three of them. But as you say, it was just like the thing's broken now. Away you go. Uh, and and I think the media too, if you look at all the headlines as well, it was very, very positive around, nah, nah, that's it, you've said you've gone, go now. We rallied as well. I had seen various managers kind of come and go. But again, there was this feeling of, oh shit, we're up against it now. But the Rangers fans pretty quickly, you know, we rallied. And as David said, when they announced Walter, was it maybe three days later or something before the St Mirren game? In a way, you're like, no, that's fine. You know, we go with that one and see how it goes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting you, you're talking about the body language thing that you, you mentioned, the, 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 the Mo Johnson press conference. And you forget that Johnson's almost being cuddled by Sunnis. Yeah, it's that weird photo and yeah, where he's basically dead. leaning into him and yeah, he's got his arm around him. And he's got this situation, whereas this weird, frosty, Murray's always looking the other way. So this is trying it, as I said, tries to put his, his hands... There's a V between them when you look at the, t- the way the two of them are sitting, isn't there, as well? Yeah, yeah. It, it, look, it's... At that level, and that type of relationship, it, it, and again, you, I would argue that Murray got too close to his managers and it yes. blinded mm-hmm. them at mm-hmm. times. Yep. He, he should have sacked Walter, as heretical as to say it, beforehand. And even then... He doesn't make the decision, you know, he can stay at the end of the season and basically make it. And Walter said afterwards, no, I was sacked. It's just, you know, he let me say it. He should have sacked Advocate um, before he did. And then when he did, he didn't, he, yeah. he invents a job for him. So he doesn't actually have to sack him. He should have sacked McLeish several times before he did. Um, he got too close to his managers. Now, you might say that that's a good thing. And, and at times it would have been, but... You know, the, there was something I think untenable. I don't think your manager should be a director and you know have a stake and all that. I think it's just it complicates matters a great deal. He was hurt on a personal mm-hmm. level. It's like, why do you want to leave me? Because that's mm-hmm. what it felt like. And if you work closely with with someone, especially when it's your business, as opposed to you know if you're working for a big multinational, you sort of accept that someone might get a better offer. But when it's your business. It's your life, and you 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 feel it much much more deeply. Yeah, you know, I've worked for a few um, businesses that were owned by you know like the director who worked there, and it, it it's it's so draining because they take things personally. It, they can't know it. Their their business is their life. So that's sort of what it was like, and it was an awkward press conference. As soon as I'm sure isn't used to being told publicly in front of a room yeah. that he's making a terrible mistake. There's very yeah. few people, I think, incidentally, would have taken that from. Uh, David Murray was was one of them. Um, and it was. It was very much, as you say, Martin, I should get the kids. No, you're <laughs> on a, I'll have the kids with the, with the press playing that sort of that sort of magisterial role. So I, I, I do, I think that there was a sense of rejection. Nobody likes to be chucked. <laughs> and that's what was happening to Murray. And as you say, he, he sat there and he's, I can change and, you know, you can do this. And he's gone through all that. But then once he's arrived at the, no, he really does want to leave me. He, he was quite steely in, in how he wanted it to go. But it is interesting that very quickly he has transferred that bond that he has with Sunnis to Walter. Walter. Yeah. And Walter, he likes to do it. I, I mean, well, well, Walter has spoken before about he had a good relationship with Murray, but obviously didn't see him every day the way Sunnis did, and he didn't have dinner with him every Friday. But very quickly, he does, he has that relationship with him. And 
I do. I think it was just the way Murray wanted it to be that the 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 number two guy at the club in his mind was the manager and the manager would be joined at his hip. And it was good in a sense for the managers because you could never accuse him of not being loyal. Right? Genuinely, you absolutely couldn't accuse him of not being loyal. Um, but I do think there were times where personal relationships got in the way of decisions he would have taken in other areas of his business a lot quicker. It's one of those... Uh examples of businessmen running football clubs in a way that they wouldn't run their business because yes, it's an emotional game it's um uh, it must affect the ego in, in, in ways that, that that's the simple humdrum of business um can't do so this weird interregnum between the tuesday and the friday that that week in april where speculation is running wild about who's next despite the fact it's already been decided um dog leash was quoted very early george graham was quoted despite the fact he was leading Arsenal really to um, the title by that point. Ray Wilkins as well, um, although Smith actually had quoted Ray Wilkins to be his assistant, but he again didn't want to leave London. And Franz Beckenberg, who oh, it's just a year, less than a year after winning the World Cup of West Germany, not having a great time in Marseille, um, w- w- was one of um, one of the others. Um, the response, um, we've heard some clips from from fans interviewed on that day uh again looking to follow fall is always very interesting uh <laughs> the, the, the first edition published in early may the front page offers up the star prize of an austin metro for anyone who shoots since um so taking it very calmly um and there is anger in the pages about the lies that he told when he turned down the, the job in february well, not lies. He did turn down the job. I'm sure at some level he, he did intend to stay, but things change. I'm I'm sorry to interrupt, Matt, but that is one of my kind of pet hates. Um, that it happens to us as well on on Heartland that we'll say something and people will say, "Well, you said a few months ago that that," and it's like, well, "Yeah, but it was true then." Things change, and for some reason, as football fans, we seem unable to, to accept this. Yeah. That that things change, people change their minds, circumstances develop. What was true in May might not be true in November, but as football fans, we are like children. But you said, and um, you're absolutely correct there. There was, uh, but you said, now I do understand that incidentally with the, well, you said you weren't going and it must be a lie because you are going. Um, It's not a lie. It's just that, you know, as you say, he, in February, he didn't want to go. But equally, you know, now that I've, I've got that off my chest, I do think, though, that you do have to be a wee bit more, more care. Don't make hostages to fortune. Yeah, I mean, that, that's football. I mean, who stays forever? No one. So we, we should all kind of be aware of that. In those, uh, in those, those pages of Fall Fall, amongst all the anger, and there's a lot of it, just about every single letter or article is prefaced by some variation of, you know, he was by far and away, however, the best thing to ever happen to Rangers. Um, and there was a real interesting one from a person writing under the pseudonym McDougall, that it's really, really balanced and fascinating. Sometimes he's, it reads like this kind of detached fan, obviously ever, sometimes it reads like um, a fan kind of years down the line. And um, he said, this guy could be brutal, dangerously temperamental and cynically ruthless. He created many problems as were visited often unjustly on him. Nonetheless, he gave us and restored to us a sense of greatness and made us believe that anything was possible and achievable. 
But then later on in the same piece, it's like this kind of melancholic, uh, melancholic love letter about a departed partner. He was no fly by night. He stayed five years, although that now seems like five weeks. Put the Simon Mayo music under that. Something <laughs> 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 wonderful is gone, although there is no reason why something as great cannot be achieved again in the future. Unfortunately, the squalidness of the way the affair has been handled and the parting shots and innuendos encourage the feelings of betrayal. I don't think all this should be allowed to tarnish some treasured memories. Dynamo Kiev at Ibrox, the 5-1 game, Petodre 87. None of us deep down would have missed the last five years for anything. So from the heart, thanks, you piss elegant, arrogant bastard. <laughs> I, for one, will toast you. Um, the general feeling is like, <laughs> he's had to go. Um, you've heard people on that, the, the, the clips on the news saying, you know, been forced out by the SFA, but it was only going one way, became too big for Scottish football, he changed Scottish football and they hated him for it. Clearly there's a lot in that. Gents, we are on episode 20, I think, of this series. We started the first week of January. Um, he's gone. Let's take this to this point to, 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 to kind of get there. Um, and this father figure, and it was, especially for someone of my generation, but the father of the revolution, because without him, this 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 entire story doesn't happen. It certainly doesn't happen the way it did. Um, we won't be talking about him again, or not, not much, over the rest of the year. Um, lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. David, what, what is Sinister Angels? Oh, um, well, we've got... To- over 20 hours um, in this series uh, that probably still doesn't get to the essence of that. It, Graham's going to save Rangers for me um, in that era because we were going nowhere and we were getting used to going nowhere. Um, and he arrived uh, at a very low ebb with a lot of teams to overcome. He, he didn't have to get past Celtic. He had to get past Aberdeen, Celtic, Hearts, Dundee United uh, and he turned us around quickly he gave us a swagger back Rangers when we don't have a swagger are not really fully capable of being Rangers and soon as delivered that I think he widened our horizons as well um, he, he changed the way that we viewed football he changed the way that, that we perceived ourselves and he changed I think the perception of Scottish football in general. He also did things that that would then resonate throughout, just still to this day, you know, foreign players became commonplace, not not just at Rangers. You know, once once the seal had been broken, um, so many other clubs went into those markets as well, and he changed it. In our history, he is this enormous anarchic fun interesting demanding period you know he, he he's the you know he's the french revolution he's the russian revolution he's he's this sort of 
period where anything was possible with the old rules, the the order, everything that had gone before, not only could it be changed, there was a very good chance he was going to go and deliberately change it. The Mo Johnson signing, of course, only Sunnis of all the managers in our history could have pulled that one off because only Sunnis would have had the belief that he could do it. He would not be bound by anything. And at times throughout his career, this is not just Graham Sooners at Rangers, this will continue. At times, that's something that would hurt him. We Famously at Liverpool, he gives an interview to The Sun because I want to talk to The Sun and just because they don't want me to isn't going to stop me. So sometimes that could be a negative for him. I, I think that he is almost unquantifiable in terms of importance in terms of building the modern Rangers for good and for bad and for things that that would then follow. Um, I think that you use the term father figure. That would actually have a slightly negative effect down the line, I think. I believe in the early 2000s when bad things were going on in the background, that Rangers fans had become so infantilised. We just wanted daddy, be it David Murray or the manager, to fix things for us we just felt that we got to just cry and wail and stamp our feet and things should happen uh and and soonest unknowingly um was was a big part of that creation but what he did was he brought he brought a vibrancy to not just rangers but to scottish football that hadn't been there before uh he ushered in a very very exciting period for rangers but for other clubs Celtic becoming a modern football club happened because of Graham Souness. Mm. You know, he he is the seeds that lead to the the dynasty downfall and McCann and everything coming in, along with David Murray. You know, I mean that that was a big part of it as well. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, I, I honestly, yeah, as I say, I look, you know, he's he's the punk rock of music, um, getting rid of all those boring bands that Alan likes. He's he was just somebody that came along and said <laughs> the rules don't apply to me. And sometimes that was fantastic because it meant he could think in a way that nobody else in Scottish football would have been able to think. At other times, he would do something that made you realise why certain rules are in place, you know, because they're there, they're there for good reason. But you could, you, you could never, ever look away. He made every day the papers essential. You know, he, he made every time... There was always a sense of danger. It becomes exhausting. And I think it... I'm a great believer that, you know, action, reaction. And I think that after this spell, this breakneck five years, which, as the chap there mentioned, when he went, felt like five minutes because that was, it was just breathless. You never stopped. There was always, we were always linked to a player. There was always an incident. There was always something happening when Graham Sunnis was around. He's kind of like that, that, that girlfriend, that amazing looking girlfriend that, Every day is a drama. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's not so great. Um, and after that, you tend to maybe go for somebody a wee bit more, <laughs> a wee bit more stable, maybe a bit less glam, um, but somebody that's a, a wee bit more dependable. And that's when Walter comes in. And Walter is the soothing bam. That there wasn't this up and down anymore. There was still this relentless push for silverware, but it was done in a slightly different fashion. And Walter kind of restored some of the, if you like, the, the varnish, the traditional stuff that Rangers fans prize um, that Soonis had sort of disbanded. 
But it needed that. We needed shaking up. I think, though, that he... The, the last club he should have went to was Liverpool because it needed exactly what Rangers had had and he couldn't quite bring himself to do that there because he was a part of that. He, he, he knew things had to change. You know, there was bits and bobs he, he played around with. But at the end of the day, he was a traditionalist there and they needed an agent of change like he had been at Rangers. But yeah, he's, he's a huge, huge part of our history because... Managers can come to a club, be successful, and leave virtually no legacy, uh, Dick Advocate. Graham Soonis left a legacy not only at Rangers, but the whole of Scottish football, that even now, almost 40 years later, I think we still feel in many ways. Yeah, I think the Liverpool, this isn't a pod about Liverpool, but slightly harsh, he, he did know he had to change things, and certainly the, the, the diet stuff, uh, Italy really changed Graham Soonis's viewing a lot of things. They were still having their chippy and their, their beer and uh, the bus back from, from games and stuff like that. Um, but as as Walter correctly warned them in that sauna, um, Liverpool haven't gone through 10 years of fuck all. They're, they're champions of England. They will not accept that kind of revolutionary change because they will not accept they need it. And that's what Sun has uh, walked straight into. Alan... Doing this this project, as much as you know, he gave his assurances and that that directorship, that that stake in the club, you know, these are all long term promises. But given the nature of the 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 man, the nature of the the era that David's articulated so well, I'm actually surprised we get five years, um, because it was just constant. Um, Excitement. <laughs> the, the newspapers were, were never short of anything when it came to Graham Soonis and Rangers, uh, and it, it was needed, but um, it was never a long-term, uh, you know, ten-year era thing. I don't, there was just never any chance. I don't think he could he could last that. We would know actually physically he, he wouldn't be able to last that. Um, but I'm actually I'm actually quite surprised we got five years out of him without that that exploding in the way the way that it did. Um, your thoughts on that and some short. Yeah, I mean, I think we were on we were on our knees. Obviously, you know, when he came in again, we mentioned early on David Holmes, massive credit to him, you know, to bring him in and suddenly bringing in this celebrity, he just added colour. I mean, he was obviously the class in terms of the football and from that successful Liverpool team. I thought what was good as well is he just it crossed even beyond football. You know, obviously it raised the whole Rangers profile. The, the the factors that we talked about before as well about the English, you know, out of Europe and uh, you know, stadia and so on. It actually came at a good time in terms of being able to to kind of capitalise on that and bring in the likes of the butchers and so on. Totally transformed us. Actually a bit similar to the Stephen Gerrard. You know, when you think of when Gerrard came and then he brought in uh, from where the team was to where it was when he left. But my God, he was there wasn't a day went by without something to do with Graham Soonis or something to do with Rangers. So it raised the profile no end. I think the European thing was a, the, the big frustration again on that one. And again, he, he certainly, he's obviously got a place in our history, without a doubt, you know, up there. He's certainly not one of my, in terms of the greatest ever Rangers or greatest manager or so on. But what he did in that time, and as you say, Martin, 
the player manager thing as well and all of the stuff that was going on around, I, to probably last that length of time, yeah, was a surprise, you know, because it, it, it kind of almost burnt himself out early on, tended to take a bit of a breather. The Mo Johnson thing gave him the control and then here we go again, you know, from it. So, no, I think Rangers fans overall, what he did, I, I think we should be grateful Again, I think you guys know my, my... I mean, Rangers were there way before Graham Souness. They'll be there way after him as well. He did play a good part, you know, in our history. And you'll actually find out in terms of the brand too, maybe not as high profile, but the guy following him and then gave us, Dave has mentioned that, just that wee bit more stability, the kind of the way Rangers traditionally were and so on. But again, still kept us at a top level where we continued to keep, you know, kind of winning and pushing forward. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, I think we'd mentioned at the time, put it this way, when he was there at the start, uh, if I hadn't had a daughter or a son, my son was going to be called Graham. So that probably tells you even my view about the impact that, he, you know, in those early stages. And I think the, the whole Rangers, loads of money, swagger that we had, was just fantastic at that point in time, you know, just for those so many years. Players coming. I mean, when Graham Soonis came to join us, it was, geez, oh, we've got the Scotland captain. That's how low we were. But through the time, you end up getting the likes of the Butchers, the Wilkins, Haitleys. It was just phenomenal. And obviously, it gave us a great platform just to kind of push on. I always felt in his heart of hearts, it was Liverpool, wasn't it? But yeah. hey, that, that's fine. Davis says as well in business, you've got opportunities. He saw this one, he did really well on it. Uh, and fine, the, the guy moves on. I think that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Sure. You mentioned something there, which I think is absolutely understandable. Rangers were there before Graham Soonis, but they're after. But I would always caution against this feeling of inevitability that, again, the big wheel turns and you'll have your, your time again. Um, there's nothing inevitable about it. Just because, you know, football history is marked with great names from the early 20th century. Huge clubs that are now a footnote. Yeah, excellent point. Inevitable I think you continue on. And I, I listen, Graham Souness is not the greatest Rangers manager there's ever been. No, Struth no. and, and Smith are now... Look, isn't that interesting? We've all spoken about how big he is in Rangers history, but you're right, he's not on the Mount Rushmore, is he? No, we will. In, in, in terms of managerial stuff, I think that's absolutely correct. Um, that, that Struth and Smith are, are way, way out there. In terms of figures, in terms um, in terms of, of the impact of the, the person, then, yeah. then yeah. Struth sets, Struth creates Rangers, right? Really. He's, he creates it, he, he changes it from a football club to an institution. And there's a whole culture and a whole different world around it in terms of standards and, 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 and everything else. So it's not Graham Sinus' fault that he wasn't around before Bill Struth. That, that's not how history works. But Rangers were, they were plummeting. And Yep, there'll be better managers that have been before and there were better managers that came after. But I don't think, certainly in my lifetime, there has been a bigger figure or a more important figure in the history of just football club by a mile. Because you don't well, have 
And you don't have anything else that comes after. Like, you don't have Murray for better. And I was going to say, well, Murray did take his. He got Rangers to Division 3, and I'm not sure many other people. But I know what you mean. In terms of a positive upward impact, then yes, I think that's a very legitimate argument. And he came, Martin, exactly at that time, didn't he? You know, the kind of perfect storm of, yeah. you mentioned, you know, what was happening down in England. You know, European football and still have to make it. You still have yep. to make it happen. Like the, the conditions were perfect. We discussed that in episode one and the, the 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 kind of prologue. That's fine, but you still need somebody to go and grab the thing. Yeah, life is timing. Yes, it is. You know, yes, you can is. have all the ability in the world, but if you pop up at the wrong period, it's not your it's not your throw of the dice. Then it it, it won't matter. Yes, the conditions were perfect, but in 1986 we could have gone out and we could have hired off the top of my head Andy Gray to come in and be player manager. Andy Gray is a wonderful guy, he's a huge success <laughs> in his life. Um, you know, joking aside, look at what he's he's made himself almost a, a kind of. Um, a byword, really, within broadcasting. He would not have done what Graham Sooners did, even with being able to sign English players, even with Europe and all that. It was the man, and it's a really interesting thing. It's a much bigger debate, but in in your view of any history, be it World War, be it you know the the nineteenth century, whatever you're into, how important is the man? or the circumstances and the idea that it's only ever circumstances which has got a lot of currency in historical um, revisionism in the last 30 years I don't agree with this does not happen without Graham Soonis the, the very specific characteristics good and bad that we've I think fairly detailed on this show, we'll be, be very honest yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. so no totally agree we may touch on it over the course of the year, see how he's getting on at various jobs, but um, he certainly won't be dominating shows like he's done for the last 20 weeks. But I I hope, listeners, and please feel free, you're never slow to, uh, if we've done him a disservice. or I, This can't be hagiography. There's too much of that um, when it comes to Rangers, when it comes to football writing or podcasting, to be honest, when it comes to football history, you, you have to do it properly, you have to be critical. And I think we have when it's been merited, but also you can't go the other way. Um, and I hope we've we've got that tone right. And if we don't, I don't care. It's my tone. So, that, <laughs> <laughs> and that's us for Graham Sinus and that, that unit of Rangers. Thank you very much, David. I thank you very much, Martin. Um, not to timestamp it too much, but uh, by the time you're listening to us, listeners, um, Martin and I will be over to NASA uh, to spend a bit of time with uh, someone who was a big lieutenant in this, Mr. Richard Goh. Indeed, indeed. We'll catching up with him. Uh, thank you, Alan. Thoroughly enjoyed it. No, thanks, Martin. Yeah, thanks, David. That was good. And have fun over there and behave yourselves now. Yeah. Always, always. Um, in that little interregnum, a lot of Rangers players made quite a bit of money because they knew what was going to happen and they made sure their pals put some good bets on Walter Smith. But not all bookmakers paid out. Some waited a few months. The belief being, well, this might just be a caretaker. He's there to the end of the season. He's not the next Rangers manager. I hint then that it was an appointment that made sense to ensure continuity for the remaining four games of the season, but jarred slightly with the overall sense of ambition that Rangers had enjoyed projecting. For now, however, the bigger picture could wait. There was an extremely close title race coming to its conclusion. We'll be back next week to discuss that and more. Until then, bye for now.
Social Podcast Network. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.